Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Well, hello to you. I hope you're all doing very well out there. Hope you're all surviving and thriving. Hope you've been able to go to gigs as I have over the recent months and I'm looking forward to more further on this year. So there we are. Anyway, I wanted to talk this week about getting your tones right. It can be an interesting thing, tone. It's very subjective and there's not necessarily a right or wrong tone. Don't hear that don't hear that from this episode. But there are things that you can do, things that you can think about to make sure that your tone of whatever instrument you're playing works. And so I've split this episode up into drums, bass and guitar, but with also some general comments at the header about it. I think my general comments really are that whatever tone you choose, however you choose to sound, you've got to make sure that that tone works in a band context. It's really, really, really important to make sure it works in a band context. A tone can sound absolutely phenomenal on its own, but then when you play with the band, certain frequencies get covered over, you can't quite hear the the instrument as you'd like, and it doesn't sound as good. So it's really important to make sure whatever tones you go for, they work in a band context. I've said that too many times now. I'm going to start firstly with the drums. There's two major parts of the drum kit, as you will know if you're a drummer or even if you've been around drums. You obviously have the actual shells themselves, the drums, as it were, but then you also have the cymbals. And they obviously do slightly different things. They sound different, duh, and you have to approach them in different ways. So I'm going to approach the easy bit to me first, cymbals. I think drummers naturally go for really bright, brash cymbals. And I get that. In a live context, you want those cymbal hits to cut through a dense wall of guitars and bass and vocals and really accent the song. That's great. When you're recording, they're not necessarily the thing you want, unfortunately. What sounds really um, kind of cutting through and great in a live context when recorded could just sound harsh and washy. I find that darker cymbals work better when recording drums. And yeah, that may sound counterintuitive, but trust me, trust me, trust me, consider darker cymbals when recording. If you're working in a recording studio, they should have a selection of cymbals that you can try that might sound a bit darker. But there we are. That's just my first initial comment on on drums, really. But with um, the actual shells, there's loads that you can do. It's very easy to think, oh, well, you know, I haven't got several hundred or several thousand. I can't afford a new kit. But within your kit, there's loads that you can do. You can obviously change the drum heads, which will dramatically affect the way the drum sounds, whether it sounds rounder or attackier, things like that. Um, but there's also the tuning. How you tune your drums affects how your drums sound really, really important things to do and to make sure you know. If as a drummer you don't know how to chew drums, spend time learning. It's really worth learning so that you can do things like when you're recording, you can tune the drums to the key of the song and you're away and it's just going to fit in that much better. It's going to work that much nicer. You want to just choose a kind of nice general round tuning for live, but there we are. That's just the way it goes. Live's a bit of a compromise in that regard. There's other things that you can do to, if you want to say, get more attack out of your sound. Have you considered using drumsticks with plastic coating on the end? It will 
give you more attack. It will give you more kind of initial transient that's really worth thinking about. And the other the other thing, the other major part of the kit that you can think about is the kick drum. So your beta, you could get it out of felt, which will give you a kind of softer sound, or you could get a plastic beta, which will give you kind of that more of that smacky metal sound. And again, you can think about changing your drum skin on your kick drum and the uh, pad where the the pad where the beater hits the kick could have a special coating on it, which gives it more click and more attack. If that's what you want, if that's not what you want, then obviously move away from something like that. But there we go. There's loads of things that you can do with drums to get your tones right. But whatever you do, make sure it works in a band context. If you are a really traditional kind of drummer and you really like a nice felt beater that, you know, just kind of has that kind of vintagey sound for want of a better phrase but you're in some modern metal band consider getting a plastic beater i know it's not what you want but it's going to fit in with the band better it's going to allow your kick drum to naturally smack better in that regard bass guitar now i am a bassist and bassists some bassists just don't care about their tone as in they'll just go through the di and go there we are that's my sound some really really care a lot <laughs> and there is no right or wrong. Like so many things, there is no right or wrong with bass tone. You want to make sure that whatever your tone is, it sounds consistent. So you don't want to have um, certain notes leaping out and being dramatically louder than other notes. And that can be done by a compressor or it can be done by even playing or even distortion. That is another form of compression. The other thing you want to do is you want to make sure in a rock and metal scenario that your bass sticks out a little bit. <laughs> so you'd have thought when you pick up a EQ on an amp or on a pedal or whatever it is that you want to just get the bass, the low end and crank it up. Not necessarily. You want to think about the high mids and the high end of your EQ because that higher sound is where the bass is heard. So humans can't really hear properly really, really sub frequencies. You feel them more than you hear them. But if you um, add a little bit more of that high end to the bass. You'll kind of hear it a bit more. You'll hear that note definition. It'll cut through in that way. And that's how bassists like Steve Harris really um, cut through the mix. They've got a lot of high end and high mid and they play with their fingers in a really kind of attacky way. If you can't play with your fingers in an attacky way, but you want that kind of tone, try a pick. It gives you just that more attack and it allows you to make a more consistent um, note. So you might not need a compressor. You might not need as much compression. The other thing to say about bass is to consider adding distortion. It's a funny thing is bass in that you can really mess about with it and it'll still sound great. And in order, as I said, in order to get bass to stick out a little bit so it's still detectable, as well as EQ, you can add distortion or overdrive. It's something that a lot of mixing engineers, including myself, do to a bass. Even if the bass sounds clean and it's a clean song, there may be a little bit of um, distortion just subtly in there to allow you to just detect it a little bit more. Now, again, if you're in some kind of jazz trio, I'm not suggesting you go out there and buy some metal pedal and go crazy. Don't do that. But consider just a slight bit of overdrive, just a slight thing to give you a bit of edge, which will just allow you to be heard that little bit better. And again, as I said with the drums, and as I say again and again and again, make sure your tone works in a band context. If you're in a metal band, I'm using this similar example, if you're in a metal band and you have a really smooth, silky bass tone, you're probably not going to be heard. And 
that's not great and it's not necessarily going to serve the music. So make sure you get your bass tone right. After the break, I'm going to talk about the biggie of tones, as it were, and that is guitar. Welcome back. So, guitar, what can I say? There, there's so many elements to guitar tones. There are the guitar itself, the pickups, the strings, the pick you're using, the way you're playing, the amp, the pedals, the cab, the mic you're using on the cab, all of these things really, really can dramatically affect your tone. The thing to say about guitar is the magic is in the mid-range. <laughs> if you want to massively scoop out the mid-range, you will find that on your own that might sound amazing, but in a band context, your guitar will disappear. It'll be swallowed up sonically by the other instruments in the band. And that's not great. That's not what you want. It's not going to help you. It's going to help the guitars disappear in the mix and you're just not going to sound your kind of full potential. The thing you want to do is focus on the mid-range. You probably want more mid-range than you first think. It will probably sound a bit too much when you're playing on your own, but in a band context, it will work well. It'll allow your guitar to stick out just as much as it needs to, not too much, that you can be heard, that you work with the music, with the song. So focus on that. I would say the magic is in the mid-range. Whatever you do, the magic is in the mid-range. Your guitar tone could be clean. It could be really driven. It could be fuzzy. It could be all sorts of things. Focus on the mid-range. The other thing to say about guitar is you want to make sure, especially if you have another guitarist or a keyboardist or something like that, that your tone is complementary with the other instrument, so the, the keyboards or with the other guitar. Make sure you have complementary tones that work and gel well together. There are countless bands where a band member chooses their tone and it doesn't matter what the other band member sounds like, that is their tone. That is not going to gel well. You want to have tones that gel well. So you can maybe have a pedal that allow you to stick out when you need to stick out for a solo. And when you need to blend in, you'll kind of have this really nice kind of gel tone together. Really, really, really important. So, for example, one of you could have a kind of, you know, martially kind of classic kind of driven sound. And the other person could have maybe slightly more of a fuzzed out sound. That kind of thing can work really well together. It can work wonders. The other thing to say about guitar tone and focusing on guitar tone and working out guitar tone is don't stomp over everything. It can be really easy on guitar to just add loads of bass, loads of mid, loads of treble, go for it. And you're just all over everything. Don't do that. Finally, the last thing to say about guitar tone, and this applies to bass too, is when you're playing live, be careful. I said this in previous uh, interviews and previous episodes, the live engineer is there to help you sound good as a band. If you spend the entire set slowly turning up your guitar because you want it to be louder, it sounds better, louder, etc, etc, that engineer is going to have a hard time rebalancing you as you go louder and louder. It's going to be more difficult for them. And as a result, their balance is going to be thrown off. And as a band, you won't sound as good. So really think twice before turning up your tone, turning up your amp. It won't necessarily help you and it won't help the greater good of the band. All I'm saying with all of this is getting your tone right can be something that's done alone and it should be done alone initially because there's lots of tweaking. But you need to make sure it works in a band context. Take your tone to the rehearsal and find out if it works. If it does, great. If it doesn't, focus on it, work on it, see what you can do better. 
Really, really important. Just before I finish, a quick note about vocal tone. I've avoided talking about vocal tone mostly because a lot of it comes down to a very personal thing. If you get training or not, how does your voice just sound anyway? What genres does your voice suit? That kind of thing. But one really important thing I wanted to say is when you're working out what key to put your music in, put it in a key that suits the singer's voice. It's an absolutely killer, awful idea to put it in whatever key you're comfortable playing on the guitar or on the bass or whatever. Make sure the singer can sing it and it's comfortably within their range. Work out what the range of the singer is and go with it. I know that's not fun, but it's just going to help your music sound better. There's no two ways about it. So that is it for another episode of the Music Survival Guide. If you enjoyed it, then please leave me a review wherever you listen to the podcast. I really appreciate every single interview and it's it's just really wonderful to read them. So if you are on a any sort of player where you can leave a review, it would be super wonderful to allow people to discover what is happening here. Please also share it with any friends and bandmates if you thought it was useful. If you're maybe having a bit of an argument about tone, maybe don't send this because that'd be a bit passive aggressive, but use it to launch a conversation, have a bit of a chat about it. Finally, I really appreciate all of you. So if you're interested, there is a community on Facebook called the Music Survival Guide Community. Hop over there for chats about music and band life with other musicians and industry people. And I will see you next time.